Portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. Listeners, please be advised. You can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. Corey Ten Boom. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. And this was night and day different than anything I had ever experienced. I was humbled and even embarrassed. I really felt God knocking on the door. You know, I was an atheist and I thought that science was the right way and anything else was just silly. It was just, you know, like fairy tale really is what I thought. God had a plan for my life. And I believe when we lose our life is when we find the life that God wants us to have. Hola, shalom, and jambo. Welcome to the podcast. I am your hardworking host, Dan Henderson. We have a great show lined up for you today, and our goal is simple, to help you grow your faith. Today, we have an awesome testimony from a former prisoner and wild man. His name is Tony Mack. We'll also have a different kind of prisoner story in our segment, The Heavyweights of Faith, with Corey Ten Boom's inspiring story of heroism in resisting Nazi Germany and surviving a brutal time behind bars in a Jewish concentration camp. Now, I know you people are busy out there, so let's get right into the content. My name is Tony McMullen. They call me Tony Mack. I am from Oklahoma, and my story is about one who has went to the bottom of the barrel. And the choices I made were what took me to that place. My life was out of control. I was in a bar one night drinking real heavily and doing drugs and the phone rang and the bartender came over and he said, that's that guy that you've been fighting with. I was driving a car and he said, he's seen your car out front. He said, he's coming to get you. I went out to my car, took a Browning 12 gauge automatic out of the trunk, laid it in the seat beside me and drove by his house and shot him right in his front yard. The police catch me, take me downtown, come to find out it was not the guy that I was after. They gave me a 30-year sentence and sent me to prison. One of the first things I see when I get to the prison compound is a guy get killed. And I remember thinking, I'm in a different kind of world. They will murder you and go eat dinner. The first week I was there, there were four murders. Because of all the trouble I had been in while I'd been on that yard. I'd been in fight after fight. I'd sent people to the hospital. I, I'm not going to stand up here and, and brag about the things I've done. I just want to tell you that it's a real place of survival. And I began to feel sorry for myself and my life and what I was doing. And I remember telling God, where are you at in my life? God, if you're real, show me you're real right here in this cell. If you care for me like my little wife says you do, please show me that you're real. There was nothing. I remember telling God that's what I thought, nothing for Tony Mack. And I went to sleep. And in my sleep, I had a dream. It was pitch black. I was sitting in a chair, couldn't see anything, tried to move, could not move, was strapped into this chair. And I realized I was in the electric chair. When that realization hit me, a light came on. And it wasn't a glowing light like that. It was like you could see the reflections of fire off the side of the tunnel wall. And this tunnel sloped down. Couldn't see the fire itself, just the reflection. And all of a sudden, something come walking up. It was Satan. 
In this dream, he was the most ugliest, evil thing I'd ever seen in my life. And a fear hit me that I had never felt before. Satan, seeing that fear in me, threw back his head in laughter and began to run toward me. Every step he took, he grew bigger and bigger. When he got right here, this dream was so real. I could see his cat-like eyes. He had ram's horns that, that curved back. His face was burnt, but he was huge. He had fangs. He was, he was huge. And I knew they were going to pull that switch and he was going to take me to hell. And I'm screaming and trying to break loose. And all of a sudden, a light came down from above me and shined down on Satan. This light was so bright that all the darkness fled. And Satan looked up and fear hit his face. And I remember thinking, boy, if it's scaring him, I don't even want to look. But I looked up and it was Jesus Christ. His arms were outstretched like this and light was just coming from every part of his robe. It would just, it lit up the whole place. And he looked at Satan and he said these words, this one will belong to me. Satan screamed and shot down that hall and I woke up. My cell partner was in the middle of the cell screaming my name over and over. Tony Mack, Tony Mack. He told me later he tried to awaken me and could not awaken me. Man, I, I, I was so glad to be awake. I was so glad that dream wasn't real. You'd think that would be enough to change anybody's life, but it didn't mind. I ran from God for 11 years in prison. I was a wild, out of control individual. I'm on the bottom of the barrel. I cannot go any lower than this right here. And I felt like the scum of the earth. They shackled me and cuffed me and they took me over to death row. And they put me in a cell with a death row inmate. I never will forget the door opened. The first thing I seen in the cell was a picture of Jesus Christ. The next thing I seen was this Christian standing there with lips touching both ears. He said, you're Tony Mack, ain't you? He said, buddy, I've been hearing about you for 11 years. He said, it's time for you to quit being a boy and become a man. He began to read scripture to me, and on the third day, he hit this scripture, Acts chapter 16, verse 31. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved in your house. The story is about Paul and Silas. They were cast into the inner part of the prison. And I remember... That was where I was. I remember this story was so real and it, 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 it captured my heart because these men were in the middle of prison and they sang praises to God. You know, right there, right then, I knew God was speaking to me. That night I laid down. For the very first time in my life, my drink, my my prayer, I remember it so, so well. It was coming straight from the depths of the inside of me. I said, Jesus, you really love me like they say you do. He spoke to my heart. He said, Tony, I knew your name. When I hung bleeding and broken on that cross. And I said, but God, all the dirty things I've done, I've killed that little boy's dad. He said, son, I will take your sins and I'll cast them away as far as the east is from the west. 
That night, I remember crying myself to sleep. I woke up the next morning right then, right there. I wanted Jesus in my heart more than I've ever wanted anything in my life. And I said, Michael, please, i got to know the Jesus that set you free. And Michael led me to the Lord on December the 11th, 1996. The chain was broken, and I become a free man right there in that cell. I served God four more years in prison. I've done 15 years in prison, and I got out. Today, Kenny and I travel all over the nation and speak, and, you know, I just want to thank you all for that time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heavyweights of the Faith, brief biographies of great believers who changed the world. Corey Ten Boom was the epitome of a person who lived life providentially. Arrested and imprisoned in Germany during World War II for hiding and aiding Jews, she encouraged others to never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Evangelist, inspirational leader, author, and committed Christian, Corey Ten Boom's life began in Amsterdam, Netherlands on April 15, 1892. As an infant, she was christened in the Dutch Reformed Church. At five years old, she opened the door of her heart to Jesus Christ, her mother. Observing Corey playing house, explained that Jesus was standing at Corey's door. Putting her hands inside her mother's, Corey invited him in. The entire Ten Boom household considered Jesus a member of their family and gathered daily around an oval table in the dining room. Conversation flowed naturally into prayer. Corey's father, Casper Ten Boom, a jeweler and watchmaker, demonstrated gratitude, anticipation of the second coming of Christ, and a personal relationship with the Lord. Corey experienced heartache as a young woman when the man she thought she would marry followed his parents' wishes, announcing his engagement to a woman of wealth. Corey's father encouraged her to ask God for another route for her love to travel. Corey realized the Lord had other plans for her life, and she never married. Her belief in the sovereignty of God took root, and she began to grow in the knowledge of her faith. She loved to travel and attend Bible conferences. In her early 20s, she received a Bible school diploma. As soon as World War I ended, Corey and her sister looked for ways to help German children who were suffering from malnutrition and later took in children of Dutch missionaries. The Ten Boom family fostered seven children at one time. Corey had always helped her father in his shop, and at the age of 32, she became the first licensed female watchmaker in Holland. Reaching out to others, Corey and her sister, Betsy, began a church walk club for teenage girls. Soon, other Harlem Girls clubs were formed. The purpose of the clubs was to teach the gospel along with fun activities such as gymnastics. Storytelling and using visuals were also a big factor. Club leaders were taught biblical principles and speaking skills, which foreshadowed Corey's accomplishments as a dynamic speaker in her later years. During Hitler's reign in Germany, Corey's family sheltered Jews, ultimately saving hundreds or more. They also secured coupons and false identity cards for Jewish refugees and helped people in the resistance movement. Both Corey's father and her grandfather had instilled in her a love and respect for the Jewish people. 
For identification, Jews were required to wear a yellow star sewn on their clothing. Corey's father chose to wear one as well, even though it put him at great risk. At the Ten Boom home beyond a false wall, a secret hiding place for six or eight adults was constructed. Everyone in the household practiced drills in the event of Nazi search. Corey used a special sign placed in the window to communicate with underground workers. One man, whom they had helped, betrayed them to the German police. The Jews in the hiding place were safe, but Corey, her father, and Betsy were taken to the police station and subsequently to German prison. Their beloved father, Caspar Ten Boom, died a few days later. 92,000 women died in Ravensbrück, a Nazi concentration camp, including Betsy. Corey often referenced to Psalms 31, verse 15, which says, My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. She was delivered from the concentration camp just before New Year's Day, 1945. She walked out a free woman, made her way back to Holland, and spent 10 days in a nursing home, only to discover that one of the nurses had been a former girls' club leader who was happy to care for her and nurse her back to health. Years later, Corey learned that she had been discharged from Ravensbrook because of a clerical error. Every other female prisoner her age had been sent to the gas chamber just after her release. In 1945, Cory Ten Boom opened a rehabilitation home in Holland for prisoners of the concentration camps. The house donated for the service was a fulfillment of a prophetic dream Betsy had while in prison. In obedience to God's call after World War II, Cory traveled to 64 countries sharing the love of Jesus and the message of forgiveness. She became what they called a tramp for the Lord and wrote a book by the same name in 1974. Many times she did not know where she would unpack her bags or how she would pay for her passage, but God, in His providence, always met her need. She lived a life surrendered to Him and experienced many miracles. She ministered to people who are traumatized by the war, recognizing the need for forgiveness in their healing because of her own experiences. At a church service, Corey encountered a German guard from Ravensbrück and, through the grace of God, she forgave him. She also wrote a letter of forgiveness to Jean Vogel, the man who betrayed her family to the Nazis. The incarcerated held a special place in her heart, so she created a film called One Way Door. In the film, she personally addressed individuals who were imprisoned since she herself had experienced months of solitary confinement in a German prison. Corey wrote many books, however, her most famous is The Hiding Place, written in 1971, in which she tells the story of the Ten Boom family's faith and courage during World War II, and her experiences in the inhumane concentration camps. In 1975, the movie The Hiding Place was released by Worldwide Pictures, an offshoot of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Corey died in 1983 at the age of 91 on her birthday. Her life had come full circle. Special thanks to Inspirational Christians for use of their written biographies. Please visit inspirationalchristians.org for more biographies and articles. 
If you'd like to learn more about Corey Ten Boom, check out her film, The Hiding Place. You can actually rent it today on Amazon Prime for about two bucks. While you're at it, there's also another film made that was called The Return of the Hiding Place. You can actually see that for free on Tubi TV. One more quote from Corey before we go. What wings are to a bird and sails to a ship, so is prayer to the soul. Thank you so much for listening today. Would you do me a huge favor and share this show? Until then, I'd like to leave you with this verse from Colossians 2, 2 and 3. My purpose is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches and complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge.